You are listening to So What, a podcast from Canadian Mennonite University. My name is Jonas Cornelson. Well, thank you for tuning in to So What. This is the first episode in a series I'm doing on climate change. Climate change is a pretty tough topic for me, and by the time we're done here, I'm going to be asking you to send me messages of hope. Get ready. CMU is located on Treaty 1 territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and I live, breathe, and podcast in Treaty 7, Calgary, Alberta. Now, all across Canada, including in those places I just mentioned, the weather should be getting colder this month. But in general, the Earth's climate is getting warmer, and that's already causing some pretty serious issues. CMU has been actively involved in a variety of climate conversations, and I'm going to feature some of those from September to December. I'm calling this series, So What About Climate? And I'm starting with Dr. Catherine Hayhoe, who joined CMU as the scientist-in-residence for a week of events in 2017. Dr. Hayhoe is originally from Toronto and is now a prominent climate researcher at Texas Tech University. She writes about climate change from a Christian perspective. Although her title was Scientist in Residence, Dr. Hayhoe appeared at CMU virtually before that was cool or entirely necessary due to a pandemic, and she did this in order to reduce her own carbon footprint from flying. In her first appearance of the week, Dr. Hayhoe talked about the connections between Christian faith and climate science, and that's what we're going to get into. Uh, Before we begin... It's Monday at 11.30 a.m. and time for the weekly campus forum, an event known to anyone who went to CMU, though never quite as popular as chapel on Tuesday and Friday. Any questions I would love to discuss. So let me see if I can share my screen. As people settle into their seats, Dr. Hayhoe gets ready to share her presentation slides through Zoom. Here we go. And here is the presentation. Okay. Now remember, This was in 2017, long before everything was happening on Zoom. But it's not only the challenges of screen sharing that made this talk feel current to me. Climate change, or the climate crisis, has gotten a lot of attention from 2017 until now, but it often seems like the question is still, what do we do? Not, what are we doing or what have we done even four years later? And in some circles, we might still encounter skepticism on whether climate change exists at all. And that's where I want to start with Dr. Hayhoe's comments, because she has a really interesting take on the question, do you believe in global warming or climate change, which she apparently gets asked a lot. Um, The number one question people always have is, do you believe in global warming? And when people ask me that, my answer usually surprises them. My answer is actually no, I don't believe in global warming. And then that kind of stops the conversation dead right there because the person asking me that was usually somebody who doesn't think global warming is real. And then they said, well, but I thought you studied climate change. And I say, well, yes, I do. But the word there that I don't agree with is belief. I love this response. It's so snarky. But she has a serious point. We don't really need to believe in things we can directly observe. On the other hand, Dr. Hayhoe uses a biblical verse from Hebrews to get at what it means to believe or have faith. The word there that I don't agree with is belief. 
Here's why. So we're all probably familiar with this verse in Hebrews, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If I had been back there when the author of Hebrews was writing this book, I would have jogged her elbow and I would have said, well, you got to finish the verse because there's like a second half there. Literally, faith and science are two sides of the coin. Science is the substance of things that are here and now, in the physical, in the present, in the, in the now, and the evidence specifically of what we can observe. In fact, science is actually bounded by what is possible to observe. Just to recap, in case that was hard to catch, in the book of Hebrews, faith is the evidence of things not seen. In the book of Heho, science is the other side of that coin. It's the evidence of things that we can observe and test. This was also made clear by a simple Google search. I love it that Google gives us almost the same definitions. These are the Google definitions. Science is the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observing and experimenting. On the other hand, faith is a strong belief that is based on spiritual apprehension rather than physical proof from observing. So, in other words, science is not faith. They're not in conflict because they're not the same thing. I love this quote. I think it's pertinent for all of us. Scientists do not join hands every Sunday singing, yes, gravity is real, I will have faith. Whether you believe in gravity or not, no matter what your opinion is of gravity, if you step off the cliff, you are going down. And yes, I actually managed to find somebody had painted a picture of a horse falling off a cliff. So one of the biggest things that I've learned is that faith and science are not in competition. They're not two alternate and mutually exclusive systems of belief, but at the same time, we need them both. So science and faith aren't in competition. But why do we need both? Dr. Hayhoe says it better than me. But in short, science lets us know what's happening to the planet we live on here and now, while faith, on the other hand, helps those who believe respond to what's happening based on a guiding set of convictions. Let's get into the science a bit. This is probably more of a refresher course than breaking news for you, but a bit of review will help us get ready to understand the role of faith. The first thing that science can tell us is that climate is changing, and it's changing very quickly today. It might not feel like that on a cold day. On a cold day, we all would like a little more global warming. But the reality is, all around our world, things are changing quite rapidly. Being a good scientist, Dr. Hayhoe is careful here to point out the distinction between weather what happens outside your window on any given day, and climate, which is sort of what weather adds up to over 20 to 30 years. And here she is explaining how we know it's climate that's changing. So is climate changing? Yes. If we look at global average temperature, it goes up and down from year to year. That's weather. But over long climate time scales, 20 to 30 years, it's going up. And in fact, the last three years, 2014, 2015, and 2016 were all the warmest year on record. So the reality is, is that we're conducting an experiment with our planet that we have never seen before. We can call climate change today an experiment for a few reasons. One is that climate change is happening faster than ever, as we heard before. And another is that there's never been such a large and settled human population to try and adapt to its effects. You might have sometimes heard the question, isn't climate change just a natural cycle? And if it is, then what's the big deal? 
Here's Dr. Hayhoe with one particularly relevant answer. So the answer to that question is, sure, there have been natural cycles in the past. Climate has been more extreme in the past. But it's never been so extreme with 7.5 billion people living on the planet. A lot of people say we have to save the Earth. The Earth is actually going to be okay. The question is people. After the polar bears, we're one of the most vulnerable species on the planet. Why? Because we built all our infrastructure assuming a stable climate. Why do we care about a changing climate? It isn't just because of a one degree Celsius change in the average temperature of the planet. We care about it because it's making our heat waves stronger and more frequent. Anyone living in Western Canada this summer probably noticed the extreme heat and the more intense wildfire activity as a result. But how can just a degree or so of temperature change have these effects? I had this explained to me recently in a way that, that really clicked. So bear with me for a moment while we go back to basic statistics class. Imagine a bell curve. A horizontal graph of a curving line that's high up in the middle and bends low on either side. In the middle, the high part, is the average number of days in a year that fall in a normal or comfortable temperature range. It's most of the days. On the far left, we have days of extreme cold, and on the far right is days of extreme heat. Now, starting from the middle, shift the whole thing over to the right by one or two degrees. Suddenly, the extreme heat days on the right-hand side have a bigger slice of that overall curve. So the problem isn't that a day in April that may have been 10 degrees is now 11 or 12. It's that as the whole curve shifts over, there'll be more days that fall under those extremely high temperatures in any given year. I hope that image helps you picture this a bit. Let's go back to Dr. Hayhoe and see how this bell curve affects polar bears in real life. Dr. Hayhoe was invited by other scientists to Churchill, Manitoba several years ago to see what was happening with a species already very affected by a changing climate. Her Churchill story begins with an unusual question. One of the scientists, the guy who got in touch with me to invite me to go, I jokingly asked him, how many times have you given mouth-to-nose resuscitation to a polar bear? And he actually stopped. And he started to think about it, and he counted in his head, and then he said, I think about 11 times. I was like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, you have to be careful. Once they start to come to you, you have to get away from them fast. So this is what that man said to me, though, when, I, when he asked me to go study the polar bears. I said, well, I normally study how climate change affects people. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, we care about polar bears because they are warning us what's going to happen to people next. Remember when Dr. Hayhoe said people were among the most vulnerable species after polar bears when it comes to the effects of climate change? Well, the polar bears and many other indicators are giving us a clear warning about what's to come and what's already here. These are some of the things that science can tell us. What to do and how can faith help? I've heard people say that in general, science tells us what and faith tells us why. In terms of climate action, I think the why is right there in the science. We're facing immediate threats to our well-being. But faith may well inform 
how we address these challenges. That being said, acknowledging the reality of climate change may also challenge some aspects of faith. Dr. Hayhoe has some thoughts on what it means to say God is all-powerful, a pretty standard Christian belief, and yet the climate is changing because of human activity. Take a listen. So one of the big questions people often have is, well, doesn't the idea that humans could affect the planet challenge God's sovereignty? In other words, are you saying God isn't in control because I can't believe that? And it is true. One of the biggest things we believe is that God is all-powerful, right? God is sovereign. So that's why I love this verse from Genesis. And this is actually taken from the message version. It says, God said, let us make humans in our image so that why were we made in God's image? The rest of the verse continues. So that they can be responsible for everything on this home that God has given us. It's like God set up the best home in the world. He put us in it. And he said, you are responsible for this home. So can we affect our home? Clearly we can. All you have to do is get in an airplane and see humans spread across the face of the planet. Everybody's seen air pollution. Everybody knows about deforestation and extinction. Of course we can affect our planet because God put us in charge. He made it that way. In a sense, we might say God is a delegator. And the capacity of human beings to radically alter the earth shows just how much responsibility has been delegated. As Dr. Hayhoe continues, these radical changes do not only affect the earth itself, but also people, and often the people least responsible for causing climate change. This is the problem of climate justice, which Dr. Hayhoe also views as a theological issue. Throughout the New Testament, it talks a lot more a lot less about nature and a lot more about people, about loving other people and about how we as Christians are to be recognized by our love for others. A concept that I feel like is becoming increasingly relevant in the world we live in today. So how does this relate to climate change? When we look at what countries are most vulnerable to a changing climate, this is what the map looks like. Okay, this is a podcast. You can't see the map. But it's a map of the world where countries colored in darker are more vulnerable to the most devastating effects of climate change. And basically, that's the whole continents of South and Central America and Africa. Most of Asia, south of Russia. China is slightly lighter. Australia is kind of a medium dark gray. And the U.S. is slightly more shaded in than Canada. What's your reaction to this? Our reaction often is, that's not fair. So we don't just care about a changing climate because it affects us. We care about it because it disproportionately affects the poor and the vulnerable and the very people that we as Christians are told in the Bible to care for. So not only is a deep understanding of climate change compatible with Christian faith, as Dr. Hayhoe said in terms of God's sovereignty, such understanding should also motivate substantive action from the perspectives of creation care, climate justice, and Christian love. I'm going to share a closing thought from Dr. Hayhoe on the connections between science and faith. Earlier, I suggested that science tells us what is happening and why to care, while faith may guide us in how to respond. But how does faith do that? Dr. Hayhoe has some thoughts on this, including a scripture reference that was a deep cut for me. So, faith and science. They're both based on truth, but they're not competing with each other because science tells us what's happening, 
And our faith tells us how to respond. Yet we need to come at both of them from the perspective of truth. Otherwise, we will be led astray. And so one of the most important verses for me personally uh, that really speaks to me when I think about both the truth of the science and the truth of the scripture is this last verse. It's this verse from Timothy that talks about how we are to respond to issues that we see around us. So often we respond with fear. And when we turn on the TV or when we look at our favorite news website, fear is the response that people have, whether it's fear to people who are different or it's fear to people who are against people who are different or whatever type of fear it is. But what I love about this verse is it says that's not how we're supposed to respond. God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if we're responding with fear, the truth of God's word tells us that is not coming from God. What is coming from God? A spirit of power, get stuff done, not being paralyzed by fear. A spirit of love for others. And I love this one, a sound mind. God has given us a sound mind to make decisions and to act based on truth. That was 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, by the way, if you're following along at home. So, what faith offers in response to climate change is not an alternative to science, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind to understand and respond to what science tells us. I don't know about you, but I have yet to see enough of those qualities in the global response to the climate crisis. If you've got a more hopeful message for me, please get in touch on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash so what podcast. Really looking forward to hearing those. That's it for our regular content this month. In October, I'll be exploring another lecture given by Dr. Hayhoe at CMU on why facts aren't enough when we talk to others about climate change. I'd also like to include some of your thoughts, maybe your messages of hope that you send me. I'll be checking for comments and posting questions on our Facebook page this month, and I'll read a few responses on the air next time. Thanks for listening to So What and the first episode of So What About Climate. You can listen and subscribe to past, present, and future episodes on all major podcast platforms. And the best way to get in touch is through our Facebook page at facebook.com slash so what podcast. I'm Jonas Cornelson. I'll talk to you again on October 1st. <laughs>